Hey, Adinette here, and I wanted to thank you for chiming in for this episode of MLO. Today we have a very important subject, the comparison of FHA loan products and conventional loan products. We are going to explore really what a lot of mortgage professionals don't explain to the consumer. This directly impacts your complete home ownership experience as well as financial future. This is Adding App. Once again, you're listening to MLO. Enjoy the show. And we're going. We're recording. We're a pop, 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 pop. All right, here we go. We're going to do a little round on the scene. One, two. One, two, three, four. And ladies and gentlemen, we are live cranking. I am your host, Addy Nett, and this is MLO. You know it. You know it. You know it. We've got a full cranking crew here, and we're going to dive into some good stuff today. Really, really important subject, Casey, because this is a question you and I get all the freaking time. What's the difference between FHA and conventional? All the time. Everybody wants to know, especially with those programs offering uh, lower down payments um, mm-hmm. options for, for clients. That is a big question. People want to know, should I go FHA or should I go conventional? Yeah, good point. Good point. And uh, we've got another guest appearance, our boy Scott Kurahar, our trusted operations manager. Yo, Scott, yo. thanks for making it today. Thanks so much for having me. Yeah, so I think this is a really good subject because it's often... One of those products, Casey, that people think they're getting a better deal, but not always is that the reality of the situation when it comes to loan structuring. But let's break down some of the basics and the must-knows of FHA. First and foremost, down payment. Minimum requirement for an FHA down payment is what? 3.5%, 3.5%. So that's something that's good to know from a conventional standpoint. If you are a first-time homebuyer, and to to, uh, put a definition to first-time homebuyer, have not had ownership within the last three years, Correct. uh, you qualify as a first-time homebuyer. Conventional actually allows for a 3% down payment uh, product. So FHA offers 3.5%, so pretty comparable if you're a first-time homebuyer. Yep, three to three and a half. So pretty close, very almost, you know, almost the same down payment, a little bit different. Yeah. And Scott, just to bring it together here too, let's talk about minimum credit scores from standard guidelines of FHA versus conventional on the mid score. What do you, what are these uh, requirements from a credit standpoint? So, so typically right for, for conventional, you're looking at 680. Mm-hmm. Um, if you're going to go FHA, it used to be 580, mm-hmm. uh, you know, in the time we are right now, it is a little bit higher at about 600. Mm-hmm. So that's a really good point. Cause you're going to hear ladies and gentlemen, different answers to that question, depending on the company. So a standard, uh, minimum credit score in an FHA, you'll hear it all the time is 580. Now some lenders might only allow for a 620 or a 660 or 680, depending on the threshold of their tolerance risk level approving loans. So you're really going to want to get with your loan officer. And there's also a lot of compensating factors that could play in. For example, um, say you're a 580, but you've got you know, 12 months reserves for a dramatic example, right, Casey? Yep. You might have a year, year savings in the bank. So they might make an exception depending, um, from a conventional standpoint, Fannie Freddie require a minimum 620 score. But once again, to Scott's point, 
we're in a choppy waters right now. So it's going to be a case by case situation regarding what company's threshold of risk tolerance is. So that's kind of the layer there. The next one that I really want to dive into is, and this frustrates me the most is I'll bring this over to Scott. You know, why do we, why do we see lower interest rates typically from FHA loans or government backed loans, if you will. So with your, your government backed loans, one of the things to look at is, um, you know, I'm sure we're going to touch on this, Mm -hmm. you know, a little later, but that 1.75% that you're going to pay in what we call upfront mortgage insurance, Mm -hmm. um, realistically for those government loans, the lenders on those loans are going to make more money. Mm -hmm. So that interest rate is going to be, you're going to see it be a little bit lower, but you are going to pay for it. So some people kind of see that lower interest rate and they think that's an attractive option. Mm -hmm. You're going to pay for it elsewhere. Yeah. And you know, Casey and I hit on this all the time. It's important when analyzing your loan terms and comparing products, not just the note rate, the interest rate that's disclosed verbally or on the top end of that loan estimate, but the APR, which the APR accounts for the entire cost of the loan, the loan associated costs. So you'll see a huge discrepancy on government loans where the note rate might be, for example, 3.75, but the APR might be 4.375, right, Casey? Totally, totally. And what, what Addy's pointing out there is you want to look at those differences because that APR is a good reflection of that entire loan and its costs associated with that. So when you have a note rate, you know, that's obviously what you've been verbally told by your lender and that's what you're making your payments on. Let's just say, for instance, you know, 3.5%. Um, but then you're looking at your APR and you see 4.25% or something much higher, you can almost tell then that you're going to have a substantial amount of fees that have been, that have been added into that loan. So Addy is making a great point there, you know, as a consumer looking at your loan programs and products, interest rate, note rate, Mm -hmm. and then also APR can tell you a big factor on that loan program and product. If there's, you know, more fees and maybe another one. Yeah, and I think that's one of the biggest misperceptions is people just look right at rate. Now, you got to look at the loan-associated fees and what you're paying for that rate because it might not always be the best deal. And to Scott's point earlier, there is those upfront funding fees. So, for example, FHA typically has a 1.75% funding fee. So one thing to know is you'll see this is a dramatic difference from conventional to FHA. You'll see a base loan amount which is your purchase price minus your down payment of three and a half percent plus that 1.75% fee if you're financing it and not paying for it up front. So that is a really confusing thing. A lot of clients are like, why do I have two loan amounts mm-hmm. here? You know, and, and a lot of people too, when you look at that or another thing to think about rather is that upfront mortgage insurance premium, that 1.75%, I'm going to say 95% or higher, uh, you know, the borrowers that we have that are going FHA, mm-hmm. they're financing that. You know, I don't know a lot of people who are not financing that. If you're not financing that, you're you're probably in the wrong loan program. Mm-hmm. Um, and especially if you think about like, you know, if I kept that FHA loan for 30 years, I'm actually paying interest on that extra 1.75% on top of my loan amount for 30 years. And that's a really long time. That's a lot of money. That's a long time. And a lot of people would be like, oh, I'm not going to be in that home for 30 years. But Casey, one thing that we like to say too is like, oh, you're financing in 1.75% funding fee to have that lower payment, have that flexibility of terms and qualifications. However, you're getting keys in hand, negative 1.75 in the equity. So to Depending, which is something we hit all the time on our initial consult of Zoom, 
Look, if you're flipping that house, say in two to three years, you got to account in your real estate plan that you have 1.75% less in equity and profit, right? Absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, you're taking that right off your cheese, you know, that's 1.75, right? Right off the cheese. Right off the cheese. So it is, it is definitely something to consider. And all again, as we always touch on it, something to plan ahead with your loan officer and have those conversations. That's a good point. But in some situations, Casey, it might be the product that fits the right person. So I'm going to flip the script, like back to Scott, like Mm -hmm. we really do need to disclose some of the benefits of FHA. So there's a lot more flexibility when it comes to getting approved, holistically speaking, uh, typically a lower credit score, Mm -hmm. typically a higher, what's referred to as debt to income ratio in most cases. And I got, we got to be compliant, right guys? Got to be compliant, but be compliant. Typically, they will allow for a higher debt-to-income threshold on the Mm -hmm. product, which can open up some more opportunities regarding um, max approval amounts, lower credit scores, and then consequently a lower monthly payment. So it could be attracted to some people. What are some other things that you've seen that might FHA might be the best fit for people? So for FHA, one of the things, you know, your first time home buyer, um, you know, let's say you've had some damaged credit in the past, mm. you know, you, maybe your credit's not the best, that lower credit score and, and really being able to qualify at, let's say a 620 or a 640. Mm-hmm. If you need to get into a house, that's your program. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of their document requests are more stringent in some areas, but less stringent in others. Mm. Um, some really crucial ones, especially when we look at income you know, for FHA, they're, they're going to give you that higher debt to income ratio mm-hmm. and that higher debt to income ratio for some people, you know, I get it. You got to, you have a car payment, mm-hmm. you know, maybe you, you made some bad credit card decisions and having the ability to qualify for a program that still gets you into that house despite that mm-hmm. is huge. Um, another thing to look at too, is if you're at a 680 credit score and you're going for a conventional loan, sometimes that mortgage insurance is a little high, mm-hmm. you know, 680 actually is the highest price bracket for for mortgage insurance that you can be in. So when you start to evaluate like, yeah, I've got 1.75 in upfront mortgage insurance, Uh but you know, you could actually be cheaper on your monthly mortgage insurance amount on FHA. Super good point. And Casey, let's bring that around because I actually even think about that at the start of the episode, that is a huge factor because, and just to bring back what Scott was saying, mortgage insurance on a conventional loan typically has a pretty dynamic evaluation. They're going to look at how many people are on the loan, one or two, how, what is your credit score? How much of a down payment? And there's more of a, um, a reflection of the entire profile, but easily put like a 780 credit score versus a 680 credit score for mortgage insurance. I'm seeing differentials from like 400 a month all the way down to say a hundred dollars a month. So you could have a $300 payment swing just based on credit score and profile identification factors on conventional versus back to what Scott's saying. It's flat rate on FHA with kind of a middle middle point, which can really help some of the credit improvement applicants. And that's a huge game changer. Like that is massive. And I'm glad Scott brought that. Yeah. To and the it, surface. I mean, if you just put it into, you know, financial perspective, $300 difference in monthly payment. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, you look at your own personal finances and I mean, and we all obviously look at it and try to advise the best we can. Um, but sometimes, I mean, that, that's what allows that client to buy the house and the FHA is the product to make that happen. And it's just not the conventional because it's too much of a, you know, monthly payment for them to swallow. 
Yeah, good point. And I would like to bring together once more is just the caution of zero down products backed by FHA. Because Scott, I, I don't know if you agree with me here. I'm assuming that you will. But like, for example, there's a lot of products out there where it's like a zero down FHA loan. And essentially a lot of those products are structured to where the three and a half percent minimum is actually a secondary mortgage with certain terms. So not only are you taking a 1.75% funding fee hit for FHA, you're going zero down. So you're negative 1.75% mm -hmm. in equity. And then on top of it all, a lot of loan institutions or lenders, investors, whatever your banks, whatever you want to call them are then on top padding the fee to originate that one. So maybe another 1%. Mm -hmm. So when you say like, in some cases you're seeing clients that might be 2.75 to 3% negative in equity going into the home. A absolutely. Um, you know, and uh, those programs, I would encourage, you know, borrowers and, and people who, who are looking at those as options to really evaluate the, what mm. those are offering. Um, I'm going to tell you right now, if you look up the default rate on mortgages that, that are offering what they call a silent second mortgage for mm. that three and a half percent, it is enormous. They are one of the highest defaulted on loans that are, that are offered. Um, a lot of people are attracted by that. Hey, I don't have to bring any, any money in mm -hmm. to closing. You know, I don't have to have a down payment. Um, that's pretty dangerous. It's a pretty dangerous thing to do. You know, you have no equity to fall back on. Um, you know, I don't want to be so bold as to say that it's, it's kind of predatory, but man, it's just not a very smart financial decision. Yeah. And I'd make another note too, bringing it back to Casey is like, and we talk about this all the time, going back to the mortgage insurance on conventional loans. When you pay the loan down to 80% loan to value ratio, you actually can request for the servicer of the mortgage to cancel your mortgage insurance. So it would fall off. Now with FHA, unless you put 10% down or more right off the get go, that mortgage insurance as of 2020 guidelines on FHA is instilled for the life of the loan. So it doesn't fall off. And that is a big factor to consider the big picture of things. Yeah, absolutely. People, you know, in the industry have always said, you know, FHA loans, that mortgage insurance lasts for the life of the loan. Well, that Addy just made a good point. That actually was a change that just happened mm -hmm. now because on those old FHA loans, I think there might still been a uh, opportunity for clients, um, you know, to get that removed. But, you know, on these new FHA loans going forward, like you just said, I mean, 10% down, mm -hmm. um, you know, is that only only way to possibly maybe get that removed? But for the most part, you know, most people are putting three and a half percent down FHA loan. That MI private mortgage insurance is gonna be there for the life of the loan. So at his point, then you would essentially have to refinance out of that loan mm -hmm. to get that mortgage insurance removed if you had the right equity position there. Something to consider, and I mean, it's not a deal breaker. Not I'm just all. a huge fan, and ML is a huge fan of educating and having people understand where they come from and, and and understand the details yeah and i think you're making a great point on it we're not here saying that fha is a bad loan right, conventional right. is a better loan every loan look we look at with clients and the loan that fits their financial needs and, and works with with you know what their goals are you know that's the loan that that we put them in and that we advise on now kind of coming back to those zero down FHA loans. One thing to just, just realize on that stuff, if you're not putting any down payment down, you're not paying any closing costs, the more that you're not paying and adding to that loan, financing into that loan, you're now creating a 
higher cost loan than you uh-huh. essentially would be if you were putting down payment down or paying, paying closing costs. So the more you're financing and adding on, I mean, think about it on any purchase we do, the more we're adding on to that purchase, that it's the more it's going to cost us in the long run. Oh, well, yeah. yeah. And I would say to Scott, bringing it back to you, th- the lower down payment, zero down payment was a highly attracted, um, option for borrowers or applicants home buyers Mm -hmm. when we were seeing massive amount of appreciation and economical stability so now currently this year there's a lot of uncertainty so it's like do you really it was easy peasy lemon squeezy when things were rolling it's like oh yeah no problem i'm getting 19 percent of my 401 home prices um, appreciation levels at 10 to 15% mm-hmm. easy. And now it's like, why well, are we going to break even this year? So do you really want to be negative equity? But on a positive note with FHA, I would say there are some flexibilities and I want to conclude with this because this could be a good move for someone that's looking to dabble into the pre-investment portfolio mm-hmm. building is multifamily. I get that call all the time. I want multifamily. Oh, yeah. I want to be cash flowing. I want this and that. The down payment minimum requirements for multifamily are significantly lower when it comes to FHA versus conventional. Yeah. You know, for, for a long time, uh, and this was kind of what people would tell you was an industry secret, right? Mm. Was buying that multifamily home with an FHA loan. So, right. If you buy a you know a duplex, triplex, quadplex, and you buy it with an FHA loan, you're going to have that same down payment. Mm-hmm. You can count the rents from mm-hmm. the other side, and then when you're ready to move on, you have a multifamily property that you're renting out that's just bringing you income. Right, exactly. Which comparatively, like you could go as low as three and a half percent down on a primary FHA multifamily, up to four units, I believe. And the loan amount mm-hmm. maximum actually extends. Oh yeah, the the more units you buy, the bigger the loan amount mm-hmm. gets. Um, I've I've done a couple of those in the past. Yeah, and the the crazy thing about that is most of the time the people that were buying these multifamily homes on FHA, the rents that they were collecting from the other side was paying the mortgage. So it's a free right. place to live. Yeah, and it's rare. And I think one thing we get that dream call all the time, and there's a ton of podcasts and webinars out there disclosing like, Ooh, this is the way to go, but it is very market specific guys. So like it doesn't work in every market. Like we're in the Portland and Southwest Washington area. I would see different areas that might work on a lower um, medium sales price would be say Spokane, Washington, maybe some parts of Idaho, the Midwest, most certainly uh, Texas, you're seeing different areas where you might be able to get, you know, a multifamily Casey, uh, you know, under 250. It's it's out there, but out in our market, you can't get diddly squat for 250 to be quite honest. So it's really going to account for what market environment you're looking to invest in. And I, I, I'm glad we all took the time to at least break down some of the basics and the must knows of FHA versus conventional. Um, I think that was a really good deep dive there, Casey, wouldn't you agree? Yeah, absolutely. And just a quick little addition mm-hmm. on there is different loan amounts. There are different loan amount. Uh, you know, max loan amounts that you can do, you know, compared to FHA and, and conventional loans. So that's another thing you want to talk to your advisors about, you know, what's, what is that loan amount going to look like? And does that allow you to do FHA or conventional? Yeah. The loan amounts is a huge thing and it's an underlooked process and everyone makes a ton of assumptions. It's just based on clickbait and rates and do this and do that. But, um, yeah, really good deep dive guys. Scott, thanks again for, for chiming in here. Casey, I appreciate it. 
Um, we're going to throw in the conclusion. And this is where we talk about, guys, if there's anything that the MLO team can do to support you, whether it's just... You know, a conversation about your your current mortgage or your first home, your second home, your third home. We've got your back when it comes to buying, selling a home here on the West Coast, right, Case? Absolutely. And don't forget about those refinances. We got your back there. Yeah, there's a lot out there with refinancing now, left, right? Lots of, um, <laughs> lots of information to be distilled. Lots of low rates to take advantage of. Yeah, definitely. So once again, guys, we appreciate it. If there's anything we can do, hit us up on Facebook Messenger, call, text, whatever it takes. And we do have the VIP number if you want to text us. 503-VIP-9038. Oh, and we got it. And we do recognize the fact that VIP doesn't come up. So when you look on the number punch, <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> see... <laughs> You do got to do a little homework there, but I think it's worth it to talk to us at no obligation. <laughs> it is. It is no obligation. Again, guys, we're just here for that education, that advice. So anything you got, I mean, if we're not even doing your transaction, we're happy to try to answer any question that you have. If you just are thinking about buying real estate or maybe you're in a transaction, you're like, hey, I just feel like I'm not getting good answers and I need an answer from somebody maybe else out there. You bet. And we appreciate you guys. Till next time, this is Eddie Nett. Case Carpenter, MLO. And Scott. Scott Crowhair. <laughs> I'm, just, I'm just the guest speaker. Yeah, he's the guest speaker, but you bring in a lot of value. We love it. Tons of value. All right, guys. Till next time, we'll catch you later. Hey, thanks again for listening to this episode of MLO. Wanted to thank Scott Kurahara for being a special guest, as well as Casey Carpenter, our veteran mortgage advisor, always hopping in on the deeds for us. Do not forget, if you want to check out any of these recordings live on video, check out our Facebook page. All our videos are posted, and most of them are live studio recordings. So please never hesitate to reach out if we can help you. We got your back when it comes to home lending on the West Coast. Till next time, catch you later.